0: The following podcast is not for children and contains discussions of adult themes. In addition, this particular episode discusses assault, suicide, murder, child sexual trafficking, domestic abuse, and contains a brief mention of mass shootings. I promise it's not as grim as it sounds, but listeners' discretion is still advised. And remember listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs.
1: Welcome back to the Three Little Words podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Claudia. And today we are recording my birthday special. (laughs)
0: So
1: so by the time this comes out, it will be, we have it, what, for July 20th? It'll be six days after my birthday. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, in order to celebrate, we decided to read a book that came out July 1994, which is when I was born. Mm Mm-hmm. And the book we landed on was a Harlequin novel uh, called Roses and Rain by Karen Young. Initial thoughts? Uh, It was okay. I really liked it. Really? (laughs) Yeah, like I was like, it took me a little bit to get through the prequel. But then it's like, I read it, most of it in like one sitting. Yeah, I really liked it.
0: I think how much I procrastinate on starting it. Maybe colored my view a little bit, and also one mm-hmm. of the main characters is a cop, yeah, so I wasn't a big fan of that, but yeah, yeah i was trying I was trying so hard to put that aside, but <laughs> you know, um, but you know it was it was okay i I found myself really warming up to it towards the end,
1: mhm,
0: also. This is the first time that we both have a physical book of of it that we used, um, because yes. we could only find this in physical books, uh, because it <laughs> came out in 1994, <laughs> and I don't see I don't see Harlequin re-releasing Roses and Rain anytime soon.
1: I have uh, okay, just a spoiler alert, but <laughs> it mentions that so our our um, main man here, Nick, the cop. Uh, is a male Scorpio. And let me tell you how many fucking male Scorpios in my real life have had this kind of effect on me. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I do have a lot of, like, dreamy deaths. And oh I'm like, God. God damn it, these fucking Scorpios.
0: Listen, if he was instead of female Leo, I would empathize with you. Because <laughs> I've dated a lot of Leos.
1: I've dated so many male Scorpios, and it's just like why <laughs> they always get me. Those motherfuckers.
0: Uh, so do you want? Oh, you know what we need to put in here. Uh, you oh, and I yes. actually did a little set of predictions a week or so ago, and we predicted how uh non politically correct this book was going to be. What? How problematic was this book going to be? Because, you know, it was written almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go to us from a week ago and see what our predictions are.
1: Insert a, like, dream sequence uh, sound effect here. the <laughs> <had a>
0: harp. <laughs> <laughs> so we're both making our predictions on what problematic elements might be in this book from uh, 1994. Just from reading the back cover.
1: So, the O'Connors. Shannon O'Connor knew that Detective Nick Dalton was only doing his job when he rescued her from a near-death experience, and the hours he spent pursuing her attacker were all in the line of duty. So why did she react so strongly whenever he was near? He goaded her, he prodded her, but Shannon couldn't remember a single thing about the night she almost died. That meant Nick had to watch her round the clock to keep her safe. Part of her rebelled at her curtailed freedom, but another part yearned more for his presence with each passing day. So that's the back cover. Times have significantly changed in these last almost 30 years. What kind of problematic content do we expect to see in this book?
0: So this has a detective in it, Mm -hmm. which tells me that there are probably cops in it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess that there is going to be a scene at a police station in which a sex worker is mentioned. Oh. And that they call her a hooker.
1: Oh, I like that. I don't actually know what to expect from this.
0: Because Harbaquin isn't usually too, like, racy, but there's still stuff that they might say that, like, definitely is not okay now.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I if if you go back even, like, ten years and watch a movie from then, you'll notice I've heard people drop, like, the R-slur and stuff. Ooh. So you know, we might see some of that. We might see some uh F bombs in here and not the fuck kind.
0: I feel like Harlequin would stay away from that.
1: I I I think so too. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna choose to be optimistic. I'm just thinking what was quote unquote okay to say yeah. back in that day.
0: I also think that there is going to be a character a minor character who is not necessarily a racist stereotype. Mm-hmm. But has, like, the undertone.
1: Ah. I I honestly don't know. I mean, considering... I feel like this is the case with any book that has a cop on it, but some, you know, very clear cop propaganda here. Cop... Copaganda? Copaganda, yeah. Copaganda.
0: Okay. My prediction, my counter prediction. <gasps> there is going to be less copaganda here than in a book that we would read in Harlequin
1: today. Okay, I'm going to make a completely baseless prediction and say that this is going to contain elements similar to that of the OJ trial.
0: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Let's see.
1: I say that because part of the reason I'm named Nicole is because of the O. J. Simpson trial. Oh my- God. <laughs> so I don't think that bodes well for my future. So if anything happens, uh, I blame my parents Blame OJ, <laughs> <laughs> and also my parents. <laughs> I had some like stupid ones, but I think my favorite one that I made was uh, <laughs> that there was going to be like uh, something reminiscent of like the OJ trial in here, <laughs> 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 which I mean, lots of violence towards women so yep
0: a woman almost certainly got got almost beaten to death yeah a couple of things that i predicted one was that um there was going to be sex work and it was going to be like like demonized in some way um i'm gonna give myself a half point for that yeah
1: uh
0: because you know uh, I think it's probably good to to, to demonize child <laughs> sex work.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: But also, uh, I have two things that are genuinely a little bit offensive. Mm-hmm. I have, she sticks as close to you as a Siamese twin. Yep. We don't use that term anymore. Nope. And then this one has a genuine slur in it, uh, an anti-Romani slur. With her hair spread wide around her like dark fire and her smoldering eyes, she looked like a gypsy. You can't say that. No. <laughs> that word has literally never been okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I know not, not everyone knows that, but like, <laughs> Jesus.
1: Yeah. Overall, not as problematic as I thought it would be. Yeah. Another thing we mentioned during our predictions was just like, how much bootlicking of the police we thought there would be? Mm, yeah, and there wasn't too much. You, like there was a fair amount, but not as much as I thought there would be. Yeah, and there they also do kind of reference like the 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 incompetence of the police a couple of
0: times. They do. Thinking on it, there is a lot of like back and forth between our main characters about how effective the police are,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: I do think is interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's a good touch
1: yeah i mean especially like you know back 28 years ago when i don't think it was as big of a topic of conversation as it is now you know
0: well i mean the like la race riots happened like two Mm -hmm. years before this or something
1: well i just mean like for two very white people to be talking about it uh and then also especially like nowadays with like social media and everything like everyone is more like cognizant of what's going on so it's like I wouldn't expect it to be as prominent in a book that's almost thirty years old as it I would now.
0: That's true. Two white people, of course, being our main characters.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not not our hosts here. Only one of our hosts is white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, do we want to just jump right in
1: before we start? Like getting like really into the book. I didn't have like too much for Mimi. A lot of the ones that I did get a good like chuckle out of were just like references to like older technology <laughs> just like made yeah, me laugh yeah I highlighted
0: <laughs> a couple of things a couple of beepers and car phones and like
1: typewriters and stuff and like they mentioned like yeah. portable phone uh a couple times so I just thought both got a good chuckle out of me and then a couple of like other random ones here but for the most part just the outdated technology tickled me <laughs>
0: I think I had more Mimi than you.
1: Okay, so in our prologue, we open with our girl Shannon O'Connor uh, getting out of a, a shower. And we we learn that she is a reporter. Mm-hmm. And she's working on a big story right now that nobody knows about. Like, even her editor over at the, the Sentinel, the paper she works at, doesn't really know what's going on. And she's planning to, like, spring it on him as a big surprise. And so you know, we can only assume that this is, you know, gonna be a big story. And she goes downstairs, she's in her apartment alone. And she kind of like has this, this feeling that she's not alone in the house or in the apartment. And kind of just like on edge. And she's like, oh, well, maybe it's just the neighbor's cat. The neighbor's cat tends to sneak in every once in a while. Uh, So she's in this like dark hallway, she turns on the light, oh, turns out it is the neighbor's cat who got in. Um, But he like you know, like, squirms out of her arms and runs away, and then she notices that he escapes through a broken glass panel in, like, her back door. So, yes, somebody was in her place, and she is attacked and brutally beaten, like, to the point of death.
0: Yeah. I gotta say, a future episode that we're doing here is on a Harlequin romantic suspense, which... Why? Why I picked this book up? I was like, Oh, it's another romantic suspense. Okay, the stakes are so much higher in this book.
1: So much higher. Like
0: immediately, our heroine is beaten to death, and then there's there's a whole thing about like child sex trafficking and like like oh my god! All of a sudden, <laughs> it's like shit. This this book has a plot.
1: <laughs> I think that's why it was so easy for me to like really get into it after after like you know finding like the motivation to like start it and getting through the prologue was because mm-hmm. the, the, yeah the stakes were really high and every other book we've read like the stakes haven't been this high like i'm thinking back to the episode that you just referred to that we, won't, we will be releasing for a little while longer but stakes in that aren't super high And it made it that much more difficult to get through. Spoiler alert for a future episode. I think that's why it hooked me. I just got those same, like, lifetime movie vibes. (laughs) And again, I think that's part of the reason I was just, like, hooked on it.
0: Yeah. You know, I can say a lot of things about this book, but it is not boring.
1: Yeah. In general. Mm -hmm. I think, like, overall, it's pretty well written. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, there are... We have our issues with it due to just, you know, it being older and the people not knowing that things weren't okay, I guess. I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt, the author here, yeah. I mean. What do we know about Karen Young? We don't know much about Karen Young. So while you look that up, I do, I did want to mention that I held off on looking uh, stuff up about her, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised if she was like a survivor of domestic abuse or violence yeah. because they, they they touch on on violence against women a lot in this book. It feels like it comes from a place of like real understanding that or it's like really good research.
0: yeah. even if she didn't go through it herself, it's like I think that we all know at least one woman who has been in a domestic abuse situation yeah, I mean exactly. that's just sort of a fact of being a woman
1: yeah. That's just, yeah, that's just statistics, baby. Like, that's how that's how it is, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Also, Karen Young uh, on her Wikipedia page. Karen Young did not always intend to be a writer. Her husband, Paul, became an executive in a corporation and frequently relocated to different areas of the world. For the family's 15th move, Young was forced to give up an interesting job in politics in the New Orleans area. To stifle her boredom, Young decided to find a more flexible career— Within four months, she had finished her first story, and within six weeks of submitting the romance novel to Silhouette, the book sold. What is Silhouette?
1: Another publisher we're going to have to look into?
0: I guess so. Ooh, she was in an omnibus called Making Babies,
1: 1995. Ooh, spicy.
0: (laughs) Her website isn't up anymore. Oh. So, Wayback Machine, here we come. KarenYoung.net. Looks like it was most active in... 2003. Um, that's not the same, Karen Young. This is pornography. This, this oh. is just action. That, that is a porn site.
1: <laughs> if it is the same, Karen, good on you, girl. <laughs> Get that coin.
0: <laughs> we, we do love sex work in this house. It's the same site. <laughs> Wait, what about 2011? What about 2011? Okay, here we go. <laughs> It looks like she was maybe kind of young when she wrote this book, like maybe in her twenties,
1: really well, our yeah, our main heroine here is uh twenty six yeah, and I oh so we've talked in the past about it being very obvious that somebody older wrote mm-hmm. you know from the point of view of somebody younger. I don't know if I like just didn't get that from this book, or it's because it's a totally different time. I mean, this book's as old as I am, so yeah. like I feel like my frame, like I, I I can't properly analyze that. Yeah,
0: it didn't seem like it was a sixty-year-old writing about twenty-year-olds.
1: Yeah, it
0: felt like maybe a thirty-year-old writing about twenty-year-olds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I got from it too.
0: Yeah. Also, very sad thing on her on her bio here, uh, 10 years ago, as of 2011, when this was taken, maybe earlier, 10 years ago, I lost my husband to a fatal heart attack. Not only was my world changed, but I was changed in ways too numerous to mention. The conventional wisdom says no major life decisions should be made within one year of a traumatic event. So exactly on the dot of one year, I sold my house in Jackson, Mississippi, packed up and moved to Houston, Texas. Good for you.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, very sad, but also like, that's kind of awesome of her, honestly. (laughs) Like one year, okay.
0: She seems like kind of a funny person in a way. Mm hmm she wrote traditional romance then started penning romantic suspense and then mysteries then thrillers and then in 2010 she started writing christian fiction oh a a turn
1: a turn
0: did she find jesus
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you said it was in 2010
0: some sometime around 2010 because she says um as of lately
1: okay Oh, you said it was 2011, she said, as of, like, 10 years ago, her husband passed? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the timing doesn't match up, I was thinking.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, I was like, oh, what if, you know, it was a result of her husband, like, having some kind of health issue or something? But I guess not.
0: Yeah. I mean, a heart attack seems
1: very sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So that's Karen Young. (laughs) That's Karen Young. Oh, before we get (laughs) further into this... Uh, when I saw this was a Harlequin super romance.
0: Oh, you wouldn't look that up too?
1: I, I did not. But I, I at first I was like, super romance. I was like, oh, is it just like super romantic? Like, what is that supposed to mean? And then reading the book, I'm like, oh, I think I get it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, so here was my journey with it. <laughs> I looked up what super romance was, and I got a modern thing from the Harlequin site, because apparently this is a long-running series, super romance. Um, mm-hmm. and Harlequin currently defines it as, like, a, a bigger story. They said it, it, between 80 and 80,000 words, and it's like, you're publishing 80-word stories? 80 word I stories. think that's a pamphlet. But they said, like, you know, it can have, it can have, like, subplots and sub characters and things, and, like, it's just more in-depth. I was like, alright. And then I just continued reading, and then we got about a third of the way into the book, and there's a, a turn. And I was like, let me look this up again. And we'll get to that.
1: <laughs> we'll get to that. But I, the second that happened, I was like, oh, okay. I, I think I get it now. <laughs> Picking up where we left off after the prologue. Um, so Shannon brutally attacked. And when we say to the point of death, that is not an exaggeration. Oh. She does die. <laughs> yep. Like her heart stops at one point. Or she stops breathing completely. I think her heart does stop. They mentioned that. Yeah,
0: she she straight up dies.
1: Yeah. So chapter one starts with uh, a detective, right? He's a detective. Yeah. Yeah. Detective Nick Dalton, who is going over uh, some case files right now. And all of them pertain to like young, like teenage girls who are like kidnapped and then killed. And it comes to light that it's all of, it's it's like a child sex trafficking or, or teen prostitution situation here
0: yeah they call it teen prostitution but it's that's sex trafficking yeah prostitution to me implies it's a willing thing to some degree
1: yeah agreed so yeah just it's a child sex trafficking operation that's going on in savannah but also we learned that it's happening outside of savannah too because uh, nick was in atlanta so this is taking place all over georgia mm-hmm. Turns out uh, Shannon O'Connor had her finger on the pulse and published something regarding the sex trafficking situation going on and essentially, like, fucked up their operation a little bit. Like, they had undercover agents that they now had to pull because now they were at risk of being, like, suspected of something. And uh, we meet Nick's partner, Ed, who actually knows shannon they went to school together and so like they're like pretty cool with each other which is why he was immediately able to pick up on the fact when the uh dispatchers received a call the address was shannon's so Shannon. Something happened to Shannon, and so Ed was able to pick up on that. But she and Nick didn't know each other prior. They had met before because as a reporter, she wanted to go on patrol a couple of times and Nick was like super against it, but she went above his head and above like the chief's head and straight to the mayor. And the mayor was like, yeah, let her go along with you. So there, there's some tension there between our two main characters. And let me tell you, when there was this enemies to lovers subplot in here, I lost my shit. I love that. I, I love that love so it. much. Another reason why this book got me. <laughs> (laughs) Immediately, like Ed and Nick are like, okay, well, we would get there as soon as like the closest uh, black and whites they called them. So they rushed on over to the scene and they find Shannon's elderly neighbor and she's like super distressed. And it turns out she's the one who found her. Yeah, they never
0: fully explained, but I think that she heard something and she like knocked on the door and then she found that it was
1: open. Shannon had given her a spare key.
0: Mm.
1: so she had to have heard something and also they do mention that shannon definitely put up a fight Mm -hmm. so i'm sure she heard some kind of struggle knocked on the door didn't hear anything opened it and then saw shannon literally beaten to death so the guy who had assaulted her just like vanished at at the second he heard somebody knocking on the door Mm
0: -hmm. nick and ed rush over to the scene paramedics are not there yet they actually get there before the paramedics
1: yes paramedics are four minutes away at this point
0: yeah and so Nick, like, goes over and he examines Shannon. He sees that her, like, her windpipe has been, like, crushed. Which, honestly, the, the brutality in this book is... This book is kind of grim.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, no detail is spared when they talk about, like, how brutally she was beaten.
0: Yeah. Honestly, the first parts of this book were really hard for me to get through as somebody with, like a lot of medical Mm drama because all these scenes of being in the hospital and like being distressed and stuff and like being just generally unwell
1: Mm -hmm. i was like oh i don't want
0: to read this
1: (laughs) yes very grim
0: anyway nick shows up and her windpipe is crushed and then she stops breathing and nick is like ah shit i gotta do an emergency tracheotomy
1: and that's exactly what he does with his little yep. pocket knife and ballpoint pen. Does a fucking tracheotomy. And
0: apparently the paramedics later say that that they couldn't have died better themselves.
1: Yes. Uh, also, I have um, been re-watching the Saw franchise. And yes. I, the second I saw like crushed like, windpipe or whatever, I was like, oh, he's going to have to do a tracheotomy. And I was like, yeah, tracheotomy. <laughs> I remember that part of Saw whatever.
0: <laughs> yes, I remember that. Where, where um...
1: The heads the, in the tank. Yeah,
0: the detectives in the water tank. Honestly, yeah. the smartest shit.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I love Saw. I have only seen like the first like four, and it's been ages, so cold, it's yeah. fun. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> no more Saw. Back to uh, back to this. <laughs> um, so yeah, does a tracheotomy, and Shannon gets sent to the hospital. And <laughs> page twenty one is uh where i have my first tab for dreamy just cuz oh this fucking gets me every time. And so it's basically when she's like so we actually get a bit of like Shannon's point of view her here where she's like fading in and out of like consciousness and then also like being pulled between the like the nice quiet peaceful place and life. Yeah. <laughs> um and it's actually Nick's voice that like coaxes her back into like the land of the living. But when she like, you know, I don't want to say comes to, but she her like heartbeat comes back or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, he says, Good girl, and I was like, Oh, god damn it. <laughs> gets me. Anyway, so he 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 says that a couple of times too, and it got me every single time. I'm not even gonna front. I'm weak to that shit.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Then there's all these scenes of, like, her in the hospital and, like, generally, like, getting to a point of recovery. Also, we, we go back to the police station where Nick is, like, doing a little bit of investigation on, like, what was Shannon looking into at the time? Like, where does anyone know who might have wanted to hurt her? And we get this fun detail that I highlight as Mimi. Even the pens Nick used were neatly stored in a black coffee mug pr- that proclaimed, "I'd rather be fishing," which wasn't necessarily so. Nothing intrigued him as much as a difficult case.
1: That that got a chuckle out of me too. <laughs> I was like, "That's so dumb," but yeah. like, I feel like I would do the same shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, they've basically got nothing. All he knows is that she was working on a few projects. Uh, she was working on. Rival teen gangs in Savannah, proposal to legalize riverboat gambling, a suicide in the Victorian district, battered women, uh, legal uses for confiscated drug money, and teenage prostitution, which was the one that was just published. And no leads seem to really be there from any of those.
1: Shannon is, you know, in the hospital, and she's been, like, kind of in and out, mostly out for, I think, five days before she can say something mm. you know she she can't even provide any answers either because she has amnesia as a result of her trauma she remembers being in atlanta but she doesn't remember for why she doesn't even remember what she did there or anything she just remembers getting back from atlanta and then nothing she yeah. doesn't remember what she was working on she doesn't remember anything about her attack uh nothing and nick is a bit skeptical where he's like okay are you just pretending not to remember because you're afraid of like me like fucking up your story or something
0: honestly this was one part of the book that i was just like okay okay we get it where like they have this same conversation over and over again where nick's like what do you remember and she's like i don't remember and he's like really and then she's like yes really stop accusing me and that just that conversation happens like six times that's like 30 pages of this book
1: yeah yeah that, It it did get a bit yeah a bit repetitive yeah. after a time
0: also i have my first dreamy highlight oh i didn't have too many dreamy highlights most of my dreamy highlights are actually towards the end Mm-hmm. but this one was was really nice nick is visiting her basically for the first time that she's like fully conscious she is beaten to hell and back. Her entire face is fucking bruised.
1: Her bottom jaw's broken. Like, yeah. They even mentioned, sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. but like whoever attacked her, this was no ordinary attack. Like this person really, really wanted to hurt her. They wanted her to feel it. Mm-hmm. They could have just killed her, but they didn't.
0: Yeah. So Nick says, I know you won't, don't want to deal with this, but you have to. He said, speaking quietly. I'll go easy. I promise you. Five minutes, I'm out of here. I believe you, she said after a moment. You probably won't be able to stand the sight of me for any longer. Dr. Webster tells me you'll be as beautiful as ever when you get well, he said moving closer. Damn him, he was studying her as dispassionately as though she was a bug in a glass jar. See anything interesting, she demanded. Yeah. He gave her a low half-smile, and with his finger touched a spot on the left side of her mouth. Did you have this dimple before? To her consternation, her eyes filled with sudden tears. Ah, Shannon... With his thumb, he wiped the moisture that streaked down her cheek. You've been through hell, haven't you? And it's like, honestly. That got me
1: too. Yeah. That was also my first. Oh, no. Was my last tap steamy or dreamy?
0: Knowing you, probably steamy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Listen. (laughs) Yeah, so that was, that was just, so, yeah, that got me. Yeah. There are times in here where, like, he annoys the shit out of me yes also because like aside from being a cop like he's just kind of annoying sometimes yeah but also god damn it there are some times where he like really like just does it for me and that was one of those times
0: (laughs) what's his name nick nick dalton you're a loose can but god damn it you're a good romantic protagonist
1: Ugh, I, I i tried so hard not to like him no i was like no fuck you like you're a cop no 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 and then he did some like shitty copy things throughout the book too and i'm like ah fuck you but then also yeah he got me he got me a little bit and i was so angry about it <laughs> also because his name's nick my name's nicole it wouldn't work out
0: it's true you know <laughs> you can't have nick and nick
1: no it's too much
0: Also, I appreciate for some reason that (laughs) that they say Nick is not movie star handsome, quote unquote. Yeah. (laughs) The man was not exactly movie star handsome, but she bet he didn't have any trouble getting dates. Oh, also at one point, Nick says, I'm a cop, serve and protect, that's what cops do. Uh, no. According to the Supreme Court, um, not even recently, like, over a decade ago, I think, cops are not legally obligated to protect you. And in fact, protect and serve is just the LAPD's motto.
1: Well, it's protect the interests of the wealthy. Exactly. That's what they Nick. mean. <laughs> and, I mean, she is wealthy, so... <laughs> she is.
0: And Spot on. She does bring that up later on.
1: Yes, Oh, uh, we, we learned that she's a nepotism child.
0: <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> she works at a prestigious newspaper, but she works there because her grandmother founded the newspaper. <laughs> and apparently the, the current... Editor is her godfather.
1: So, like, yeah. But, but, you know, she she's also a good reporter, like, you know, of uh, her own merit. But they do mention a couple of times, like, her wealth and Nick also seeing it as kind of an issue a little bit.
0: Yeah. Also, two things. One very sexist thing. They say that her amnesia, they call it hysterical amnesia. Which, yeah. like, don't call it that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's honestly very sexist and yeah. um and then uh, a completely different thing we once again have grandma being brought up in the context of of like oh she's so sexy she reminds me of her grandma <laughs> where <Wait. laughs> shannon even looked like her grandmother same green eyes ivory skin exquisite bone structure what is with Harlequin and all these gilfs?
1: I don't know. Is it is this like a trope that I'm not aware of? <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe. Like,
0: is it Harlequin's audience can't be that old? Like, their target audience cannot be like 60 and up, right? I don't know. In my mind, it's like 30 to 40 year old moms. Yeah. And us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you look at my Twitter bio, it's, you know, 46-year-old divorced wine mom in the body of a childless 20-something-year-old, because that's that's who I am. I that am their target audience. At sexy
0: sexypagliacci on Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like, I'm trying to think, and it's like, yeah, like, 30 to 40 would make sense. And then, of course, like, the younger people who are just, like, interested in, like, oh, like, what could this possibly be about? But then also maybe older women who want to maybe like live out this fantasy
0: yeah and i definitely get these fantasies that that harlequin sells like overall it's like living on a ranch with a rich handsome cowboy and like being swept up into a billionaire's world and meeting a chic, and having him like take over your life or something i don't know what the chic ones are all about I'm, I assume they're just an extension of the billionaire ones.
1: Mm-hmm. We're going to have to check one out.
0: But yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> just out, out I want to be get... swept off my feet.
0: I do too. I think that, um, so Inside Baseball here, uh, our first episode was received very well. Thank you all for that, by the way.
1: Yes, thank you so much.
0: One person from whom it was received very well was Danny Collins, uh, the author of the first two books that we read here.
1: The woman, the myth, the legend, Danny Collins. A,
0: a woman who we will not stop bringing up. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> we, we can't help it. She's like our standard. <laughs> she set the tone. Yeah.
0: But she said in her little article that she wrote about us, she felt the need to come to the defense of Harlequin. She feels that people unduly shit on Harlequin because they're cheap books and they're quick reads generally. And they're like, their romance for... She didn't say this part, but they're romance for older women, let's say. And she did admit that Harlequin, it seems nowadays more than in the past, really hits their buzzwords. Mm-hmm. How many Harlequin books have we seen in, like, the the super, or not the super romance, the Harlequin Presents line? They're, like, innocent, blank, virgin, blank, chic, billionaire. It's like, uh, it all just becomes words at some point. Mm-hmm. But I really gotta say, we don't hate Harlequin here. We don't even dislike oh, no. Harlequin.
1: No. And, you know, I have to admit that, you know, Virgin to Redeem the Billionaire was the first Harlequin novel I ever read. And I didn't really know what to expect mm-hmm. going in. But, like, I kind of get why people get that impression of Harlequin. Because, yeah, like, they are cheap books and they come out so quickly. But then also, it's also kind of like a sexist thing, too, yeah. because generally, like, I mean, romance novels are the most popular and best-selling genre of books, but people constantly shit on them because who are the primary readers of that, women. Yeah. So it's like seen as a lesser thing. So, you know, Harlequin has that going against them, too. And because they come out like so frequently and stuff, I wasn't expecting the, the, the quality that we've gotten. Yeah. But yeah, so no, we, we do love Harlequin on this podcast.
0: So Nick... Talks with Shen's family and he suggests that they get a bodyguard for Shannon. And uh, the one he suggests is a former Savannah policewoman uh, who will do a good job for you on this, quote unquote. She's a private investigator, the best in my opinion. She was once on the force at SPD, which means she's a fully trained law enforcement officer. Her name is Cheryl Carpenter and. Will, who is Shen's brother, immediately has a problem with this. He's very off about this because Cheryl Carpenter is his late cousin's ex-wife. And we'll get into that later. Because honestly, I think we can sum up Cheryl's whole plot in one go. Yeah. Because Cheryl actually has a whole subplot in this book.
1: Yeah, which I found surprising because Harlequin, I feel like their subplots don't tend to be as detailed as Cheryl's was, but Cheryl's didn't really need to be as detailed as it was.
0: I think you could cut it and lose nothing.
1: So can, can we just like real quick talk about it? Because I do have something labeled here as Mimi, I guess.
0: Let's talk about Cheryl now. Let's get this. Okay. Let's get this out of the way. You first.
1: Okay. So I have Tab here when they first mentioned Cheryl. Cheryl? Will said sharply. Are we talking about Cheryl Carpenter? Do you know her? Nick asked, picking up something in his tone. I know her. Immediately, I flagged that as something I wanted to bring up because The O'Connors is a a short series, I think. I think it's like three books. Yeah. uh, With the first one being Roses and Rain. And I think there are two other books. And there just so happens to be three O'Connor siblings. So I would not be surprised if the Mm -hmm. next book is about Will and Cheryl. I didn't look it up. That's just my guess. And I will look it up now. So...
0: You actually don't have to look it up because oh. one of the last few pages of this book is the o- about the O'Connor trilogy. Ah, oh. so roses in the rain, and then shadows in the mist is Ryan's story. Wounded in his very soul, he retreats to a secluded island to heal, only to be followed by two women. Oh, <gasps> one wants his death, the other his love. You know, you could have made it just a, a polyamorous thing, but you know, it's 1994. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give them shit for it. The Promise is the story that started it all, a story so powerful and dramatic, that it's our first featured super romance showcase. Laugh and cry with Patrick and Kathleen as they overcome seemingly insurmountable obstacles and forge their destiny in a new land.
1: Oh, so it's Patrick and Kathleen. That's kind That's of kinda fun. That's cute. Yeah, I think I might read that like of just like on my own if we don't do of an your episode on it. own free will. <laughs> on my own free will. I'm, I'm like being held at gunpoint like I am for every <laughs> single episode. <laughs>
0: Listen, some of these books, it does feel like
1: that. <laughs> anyway, so I guess they touched on their story enough in this book that it didn't need to be its own separate thing. I guess. But yeah. if they decided to make a book out of it, I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. but Yeah. So so Cheryl, her big deal, her her whole deal was that she was married to uh, Andrew or Andy, who I don't think was an immediate cousin of Will. I think he was like, I think they mentioned distant relative a couple of times. So I'm just going to pretend he's like a second cousin. Yeah. It doesn't matter because shannon like didn't even know him yeah which is why like she didn't really know cheryl either but they were married for a time and will was like super salty about it because he was like andy gave you everything he worked so hard for you for you to go on private vacations by yourself and for you to quit your job and for you to have this like big fancy house and then you you didn't love him so you like wanted to get a divorce and because of that he got drunk and then drove into a tree and died yeah. So he was blaming her for yeah. his death, which is really fucked up. For his
0: probable suicide.
1: I don't really like Will.
0: Yeah, Will sucks. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. So let's summarize Cheryl's plot in one go here. Cheryl starts spending a lot of time at the O'Connor estate. Uh, was it Wild Rose Manor or something like that?
1: Which is a plantation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do mention that. Yep. Oh, Georgia.
1: Oh, Georgia.
0: Scarlett O'Hara voice, Yankees in Georgia. Oh. That's us reading this book. <laughs> so she starts spending a lot of time there. She starts reconnecting with Will. And because Shannon starts attending this, uh, do they straight up call it a battered women's support group?
1: I, I don't know if they call it battered women's, but yeah, it's like a group counseling yeah. kind of situation for the survivors of domestic violence. Or, yeah,
0: just violence against women. Yeah, and because Shin starts going there, Cheryl has to start going there. And Cheryl eventually, like, really gets something out of this group where she admits to both herself and other people that her late ex husband used to, like, physically abuse her. So she ends up talking about that with Will, and then they start fucking. That's that's basically it.
1: One, uh, like, uh... I I think what really got me with her storyline, just like the one detail, was when she was going into detail about like her relationship, she was saying how her solo vacations weren't vacations, like she was hospitalized. She quit Mm -hmm. her job because he felt like emasculated whenever she was doing like anything remotely like not feminine, like being a cop. Yeah. She said like the only reason that he married me is because he thought you wanted me. And I was like, oh my god. Yeah.
0: Honestly, that that hit me too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so I did. Want, I did. I wanted just to bring that one bit up because I was like, "Oh my god!"
0: Yeah, God. So that's basically Cheryl's story. I skipped over most of their shit, to be honest. I, I vaguely skimmed it.
1: Yeah, I like I read through it, but I could have gone without it.
0: Let me be straight with you, Nicole. I skimmed over it because I finished this book at three a.m. last night.
1: Hell yeah! I
0: read most of it yesterday, but yeah. So Will. Blames Cheryl for his cousin's suicide. Which, fuck off. I don't know. I, as somebody who has been in two separate abusive relationships with people who've, like, either outright threatened to kill themselves if you leave them, or vaguely threatened it, that's not your problem. Like, if you are experiencing this, if you're in an abusive relationship and somebody's like, I will kill myself if you leave me and it will be your fault, it is not your fault. No. And... Whatever they choose to do, if you leave them, is is their own shit.
1: If you are seriously convinced that someone's going to do something, call somebody and have a yeah. professional deal with it. It is not your problem. Yeah.
0: I can't believe your birthday episode is a very special episode of oh. <laughs> Three Little Words. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Cheryl agrees to bodyguard even though she's not pleased with it.
1: Yeah, and neither is Will, but, you know, yeah. his sister needs protection. Because the guy who attacked her is still at large. Yeah. And they have literally no leads. They've followed up on every single, like, little thing that they could find and nothing. There's nothing they could find on this guy. Because Nick is saying, well, like, your sister doesn't remember anything, so we can't, like, we we need her to remember something. And then Will was like, well, if the guy finished the job, like, you wouldn't have her memory to go off of anyway.
0: And Mm -hmm. I was like,
1: ooh, damn. But, like, It's true. true.
0: But also, like... I have heard that if a murder case goes past, like, 24 hours, you're basically not going to find the person. Mm -hmm. And if it's a random person murdering someone, you will basically never find them. Yeah. So they have a lot of conversations about her memory and...
1: Yeah, they're just trying to follow up on, like, everything. They're like, do you think it could have something to do with the prostitution ring? And she's like, I don't know. You know, like, she she doesn't remember anything, and we get into this whole, like, back and forth that we've talked about already, where it's like, okay, but what do you remember? And it's, I don't remember anything, and then this for, like, 15,000 more chapters. Yeah.
0: Also, I have a I have a meme here. Oh. After Nick visits her in the hospital, he goes home, he does some thinking uh, about his backstory, which we'll get to later when it's more relevant. I think they should have saved it for them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. If he was a superstitious man, he would think that fate was telling him something. Good thing he wasn't. I I just found that line very funny. And also, the weirdest one to me. Good thing he wasn't going to even think about how good she smelled, like roses, or how soft she was. And then the real part, or the look of her breasts in that peach-colored silk thing she wore. Do you mean her hospital gown?
1: No, her mom brought her, like, some kind of, like, thing to wear. Oh, okay.
0: Thank God. Because I was like, is he really, like, she's in the hospital after being beaten to death, and he's like, "Mm, hmm, those titties, so...
1: Well, I mean, you know, they're, like, totally open in the back, you know, it's kind (laughs) of (laughs) hot.
0: That is true, easy access.
1: Ooh, baby! (laughs) Sweating over here.
0: Uh.
1: Also, I know that that their, like, estate is called Wildrose, but I kept... Because it Wilderous? has like the e, yeah. I was like Wildero. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like no, that's not it.
0: <laughs> Same. Also, as they're they're wheeling the, because you have to leave the hospital in a wheelchair. That's real, right? Yeah. Okay. Cheryl is the one wheeling her out, and she she wheels over a bunch of rocks and stuff by accident. And when the cops, who's ex- who's with them, is like Miller, bringing up the rear, was noted for his wit and his weight first of all secondly hey cheryl you want to come back here for a minute he said finishing off a jelly donut i think you missed a pothole in the pavement (laughs) which
1: there There were a couple of things like that like spread throughout the book that actually like did get a laugh out of me and that was one of them
0: (laughs) it just it feels very human
1: (laughs) yeah and i think that's what i liked about this book is that there are parts in here that did feel like very human. Yeah. And that was one of them. I think
0: I enjoyed this book more than I thought. Mm -hmm. But I really like Karen Young's writing. I think that she's fun.
1: I, I, yeah, the more, when I read this, it's like, you know, I I had my problems with some of the things in the book, obviously, because it's almost 30 years old. But like, I did enjoy her writing overall. Like, I would read another book by her. I kind of want to read the one about the grandparents, Yeah, well, you know, like, I would do it. We'll
0: see. Um, We'll We'll see.
1: see. Again, like, on my own time, not at gunpoint. (laughs) Oh, but is it, did, did she, like, get the feeling from, like, the car or something when they were exiting the hospital? Is that what happened?
0: She's been getting a lot of weird feelings. There was an incident in the hospital where she thinks that she saw the guy who attacked her, but she didn't allegedly even though we get little flashes from the guy who attacked her
1: he was in the hospital at one point yeah
0: he was i don't know if he was there at that point but he was there
1: which
0: honestly like pretty scary
1: oh my god okay we have an episode coming out the the romantic suspense that we mentioned earlier on in this episode but we also in that book get flashes towards the um criminals point of view whatever. And those were kind of just like dumb. Mm -hmm. This these were actually kind of scary.
0: Yeah. Especially the one part later on where he like alludes to having a snitch in in her support group.
1: Yeah. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Um I wanna find the one part I labeled as Mimi. I hope we didn't pass it already. I don't think we did though.
0: Was it the bitch was safely back in the bosom of her family?
1: No, it was, uh, the stupid bitch was seeing a psychiatrist, and I was like, same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, That's just how I talk to myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we go back to to her place. Also, they say the word invalid a lot in this book, which I was not a fan of. Yeah. Just a side note. Hmm. Really? I, I gotta say, nothing happens in this book for a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so Nick gets gets a message on his beeper, which I found fun.
1: Yeah. The references to like older technology tickled me. Yeah. Where um oh they did mention it's like, oh, like your typewriter and Shannon's like, no, my computer and I'm like, oh look, that's a like yeah. a distinction one would have to make
0: <laughs> It's so funny. But yeah, anyway. He gets a message on his beeper that there was another girl who was kidnapped in the like likely sex trafficking ring and she's been found dead. She's a 15-year-old girl. And later that night, after Nick leaves her house, because Nick was coming to visit Shannon, Shannon is in her bedroom, and she, like, looks in this old mirror, and she gets this, like, vision of this girl who was just killed. And she, like, sees shit through her eyes, where she's, like, she's so hungry, she's run away from home, she's trying to get a job. She was 15 years old, but she planned to lie and say she was 18. Pre-9-11 was a wild time, huh?
1: Yeah, there are a couple of things in here where I'm just like, wouldn't they check, like, her, like, fucking, like, ID or some shit? Like, anything to, like, verify her age? It's
0: crazy to think that, that before 2001, you could just do shit like this because nobody cared.
1: Yeah, it's nuts where I'm just like, okay, like, you know, like not even a year ago, I started a new job and I was like, I had to provide my fucking, like, you know, like two forms of ID on my mm-hmm. like list A or like one on list B or whatever the hell and fill like 15 packets of paperwork. It's just like, you can't pull that yeah. shit nowadays. If I say I'm like 27, well, I am 27 right now. <laughs> when this comes out, I'll be 28. We'll be like, no, you're not like you're 28 years old. So it's like, like, yeah. how do you, you can't lie
0: <laughs> oh. but
1: back then. don't fucking check yeah nuts to think about
0: but anyway chen sees a vision of this girl being killed then we have the fucking twist (laughs) (laughs) okay um before we get to the twist real quick so i have two types of, of dreamy highlights in this book one type is between shannon and nick that i found dreamy or just kind of cute in general um the others were between shannon and cheryl because honestly the tension was palpable
1: yeah we if it if it turned out that those two got together <laughs> i would have read that book
0: yeah and like okay she turned and picked up her weapon from the dresser whoa i get the message shannon put out her hands playfully you don't have to shoot me to shut me up they both laughed and with the sound of it their eyes met shannon realized with sudden insight that there was a sense of camaraderie that hadn't been there before the barrier between them was crumbling and i guess we have more kissed. in common <laughs> yeah <laughs> god i wish <laughs> i guess we have more in common than we thought she said we both have things we'd rather not talk about or even think about i guess well thanks for checking on me Shen said it's like and then that... they kissed for real, I I kept expecting it a little bit, even though I was, like, probably not in Harlequin in 1994. But, like, seriously, the, the homoerotic tension was powerful. <laughs> anyway, so previously when she had that vision, I was like, is Shannon psychic? Like, I, I thought about that, like, kind of half-jokingly. Like, could you imagine? And then she starts thinking about that vision more. And she remembers that, like, six months ago, she found these old journals from her grandmother. And her grandmother is clairvoyant.
1: Yes, she has what they call Dream Sight.
0: Yeah. And so then I went, wait, what the fuck? And I started Googling to see what the hell Harlequin Super Romance was. And here's what I found. On the Harlequin page about Super Romance... They say, over the years, super romance has gone through changes with regards to themes. In the 90s, for example, in addition to contemporary themes, saw some stories with time travel elements, and some even had paranormal elements. But the focus was and still is complex, believable characterization. Nowadays, super romance no longer publishes story with time or paranormal themes. But if the latter is what you're into, check out this recent post on Harlequin Nocturne. Which, I'm not sure if that exists anymore, but if it does, we should read it. Yeah. I found that really interesting that we just happened to pick a book that had such an interesting little thing in it. Yeah. Interesting little bit of Harlequin history.
1: I was like, oh, my super romance? Supernatural romance? Yeah. I do want to look up some more super romance, like not even just to read, but just like out of curiosity, like what other kind of like little things do they have going on?
0: Because there was nothing on like the back cover or any sort of summary that alluded to the idea nothing. that there would be that there would be fucking a, a fucking psychic in this book.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, like when she had that like vision of the man in her her hospital room, I thought it was like, oh, like maybe, you know, this is a response to her being afraid of the dark and also just like a trauma response. Like she's terrified all the time now. Um, But then it's like, oh, well, no, like she's having like actual like visions. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it turns out she is actually psychic and they have a discussion about it later. The conclusion they seem to come to which I kind of think she might have been psychic before this, but and maybe this made it stronger somehow.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: her being dead for a short period of time, like, woke up latent psychic abilities.
1: Yeah, and then, they don't touch on this quite yet, so spoilers, but uh, she also tends to have these visions when she's with him, because he's mm-hmm. the one who brought her back to life. So it's because maybe they're connected in that way
0: so Shannon and Nick they talk about this girl being murdered and Shannon is able to provide details about this girl in this case that were not made public and would not seem apparent from just saying this girl was murdered stuff like she wasn't actually beaten to death she was thrown against a wall and she she broke her neck and died instantly
1: yeah and and she wasn't found in the place she died her body was moved after she died which happened to be true can I just say that it's kind of disappointing that Harlequin doesn't like do much of that anymore.
0: Yeah, I thought this was a really cool twist in the book. This was much more, if this book didn't have this, it would be far less interesting.
1: Yeah. Or like, I think I still would have enjoyed it in the same way I would enjoy like a Lifetime movie and stuff. But like, I, it, yeah, it just made it like that much more interesting. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of a shame that they don't do that because it, it was just fun. Yeah. Like, hell yeah, give me some psychics in here.
0: So it seems as though Harlequin Nocturne stopped publishing in 2019.
1: They knew what we were doing. They knew. They knew what we had planned.
0: Anyway, I think that might be something for the future. Yeah. It seems they've really pared back their lines. It's the Harlequin Presents, which is the, like, alpha rich boys generally. Medical Romance. Harlequin Intrigue, which has no romance. I don't know what their desire are, but those are romance, Harlequin Heartwarming, which is like kind of like pale romance, historical, which, you know, fine, Love Inspired, which I think is Christian romance, and romantic suspense, and like, that's it.
1: They might like cycle through things too, like depending yeah. on like what's, what's popular right now. Like I know historical romances are popular right now because of stuff like Bridgerton, oh. rich alpha boy popular because uh, everyone's poor. So <laughs> 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 there's no middle class anymore, you know, True. so... <laughs> So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they cycled through things. And I feel like stuff like this was popular, like in the 90s. Yeah,
0: I mean, I guess it was Ghost starring Patrick Swayze.
1: Yeah, that was literally where my brain... I was just about to look up what year that came (laughs) out. When year did it come out? I'm gonna
0: say 94.
1: All right, let's see. I typed I Ghost, and uh, it's not coming up right away. We have um, Ghost Rider Extended Cut, oh, Ghost perfect. in the Shell, Ghost the Rock Band, Ghost Energy Drink, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint.
0: Oh, perfect.
1: 1990 was when Ghost Ooh, came out. Ooh, I was off.
0: Normally I can get those within a year.
1: Wow. Do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> we also have a moment where... Um, Shannon's walking around her room and doing stuff? I don't know, I think she like just woke up. And Nick is there. Nick was achingly aware that Shannon wore no bra, and then later, the pillow slid to the floor. She had to get off the bed to pick it up, and when she did, he saw not only thigh, but the luscious curve of her derriere and a flash of French cup bikinis.
1: That's another thing that kind of made me laugh is the is them calling it bikinis like plural yeah which I've never heard in my life. I but mean, okay. I guess they're
0: they're panties, they're underpants, but like I, so. I but wouldn't like say bikinis.
1: Bikinis, just a bikini.
0: She's wearing two pairs of underpants
1: <laughs> for protection. <laughs> right before that, oh when, when she uh, was like smoothing her t-shirt down, he's it said uh, the motion tightened Nick's groin to the point of pain. <laughs> I don't know why lines like that always make me giggle.
0: (laughs) His boner's gonna rip through his jeans. (laughs) So anyway, Shannon decides to go to the counseling after a talk with Cheryl. It's called a victim's encounter group, that's what it's called. Ah, okay. At the encounter group, Shannon actually remembers a couple of small details about her assault. She remembers that her assailant had a really nice watch. He had like a Rolex. And she remembers that he had some kind of special belt, but more importantly, that he was, like, on the stockier side and that his stomach came up over his belt.
1: Yeah, he wore stocking over his head and Nick was like, that's original.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I do remember that. That was funny. (laughs) Um, And he
1: had to clarify, he's like, that's not like a dig on you, that's a dig on on your assailant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They drive around the neighborhood for a while because they want to see if they can, like, spot any houses that might be the one where the girl who was found dead's body or where she was killed. Uh, Also, (laughs) Nick starts thinking about when Shan died, and there's this very funny line to me. "Um, Without warning, he suddenly thought about the moment on the floor of her apartment when he'd held her hand and felt her life force waning. Something about the the phrase her life force is very good. (laughs) Oh, and then, there's a big oof of a line. Nick all of a sudden gets called away because there's a, um, not a mass shooting, but- Oh,
1: there's like a like a hostage situation going on?
0: Yeah, they call it a hostage situation, but like, they first describe it as, quote, a crazy is shooting up the Dilly Burger, holding a woman customer and the manager hostage. So, to me, it seemed like, oh, like- this guy came in and shot a few people. I think a couple of people did die and a couple people more got injured. But here's the biggest oof of a line. Shannon wants to go with him. Nick says he understands. Quote, for a journalist, it's the kind of story that only rolls around once in a blue moon.
1: Yeah, yep. that one got me too. I was like, bruh. Oh, to live
0: pre-Columbine. Uh,
1: it just reminded me of that one, like, meme. It's like, him. there's people dying. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) It's from the Kardashians. (laughs) 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 That was what I, like, said when I was reading that part. I'm like, bro, (laughs) like, what the fuck? (laughs)
0: Yeah, but actually this incident kind of, like, pushes Shannon a little bit because it later turns out that one of the people who died was a member of her encounter group and her ex-husband who she had a restraining order against just walked into this not McDonald's and shot her. And that kind of pushes Chan to be like, you know, one, what the fuck are the police doing? And like why isn't there more like restriction to him? Like the only reason I'm safe right now is because my family can afford to hire me a bodyguard. Like no restraining order can stop this. And Nick even says, like, we can't stop a guy from going into a McDonald's. Like, yeah, it's fucking crazy. I'm glad they brought yeah. that up.
1: Yeah, they bring it up a couple of times. Or they're just like, the police can't do anything in certain situations because in like the support group, they were saying that a lot of the times the husbands or whatever will like verbally threaten them and like emotionally abuse them. But that's not enough for them to like take legal action. Yeah. Which like sucks.
0: Yeah. I mean, the cops aren't going to do anything anyway, because uh, I think 60-plus percent of cops are domestic abusers themselves. hmm Still, it's like, it, it does bring up a huge point in the system. Also, Cheryl and Shannon flirt again. Her topaz eyes dancing, Cheryl covered her mouth, and they both laughed out loud. As it had once before, the laughter touched a chord in both of them. With a warm feeling, Shannon realized that Cheryl had become a friend. A very good friend
1: girlfriend ayo (laughs) i want to read that book for real
0: cheryl at the door cheryl stopped reluctantly shannon thought just so you'll know i'm a good listener like ooh, honestly we should write that fan where's where's our harlequin fan fiction
1: we need to start writing fanfic for real harlequin fanfic i have already write fanfic (laughs) When they when they were talking, also they they do talk about Nick and Nick and Shannon here because Nick is giving Shannon a lot of special attention, giving her case a lot of special attention. Yeah. And so Cheryl points out, like, you know, like he he's he's interested or something, because like you know, otherwise why would he be going to such lengths? And I did have something in here that made me that made me giggle, and it's about Nick, like, kind of just being bit you know moody lately and like having a bit of a temper mm-hmm. shannon's like oh like he's so hot and cold like one minute we're cool and the next minute we're at each other's throats again or whatever and cheryl says it sounds a lot like plain old-fashioned sex appeal to me shannon world around i'm serious cheryl me too it would go a long way toward explaining nick's foul disposition lately foul disposition let me put it this way if Nick's temper gets any more uncertain, his staff is going to put in for transfers. Even Ed is running out of patience. Only two things make a man that crazy. Sexual frustration and job stress. So yeah, Mans is horny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of talk about his boners in this
1: book. Yeah. He's super horny at the whole thing. He is. Oh, that's when we get my favorite line, the stupid bitch was seeing a psychiatrist.
0: Yeah. I, I want that page too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs>
0: Uh Shen decides to eventually go back to work, and uh she decides that she wants to do the, like, political beat.
1: The the city hall beat.
0: Yeah, city hall beat. So she essentially attends boring council meetings and writes about taxes. It's a position that nobody at the newspaper wants, but she's like, I will be safe there, it will be fine. But it's not. Because.
1: <gasps> because. Nicole. She's at this boring meeting where, um... This like jogging track doesn't get funded or whatever. And some dude comes up to her and he's like, oh, hey, like somebody in the back told me to like pass this forward to you or whatever. And it's like an envelope or some shit, which, first of all, where did this man get an envelope from? Did he just have it on his person? I guess. He had an envelope and in it was a note. That said, amnesia is a good trick, but just in case your memory returns and you decide to tell what you know, be warned, bitch. Next time nobody will be able to save your nosy neck. And the first thing I noticed was that good on the guy for using, uh, you know, <laughs> like good punctuation <laughs> yeah. <in> his note.
0: <laughs> Especially because it's made up of magazine clippings. Is so it? So the fact that, yeah, they say later that they can't trace it, they can't even trace handwriting because it's it's magazine clippings. Oh
1: my. So.
0: <laughs> he included commas too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there's also like a colon in there. <laughs> I love a, you know, a, I don't want to say murderer. I love a criminal who, you know, cares about punctuation. Exactly. I bet if this I guy a, uses
0: the Oxford comma.
1: Yeah. Like, oh my God, imagine getting attacked by somebody and then them not using the Oxford comma. For real. Embarrassing.
0: <laughs> when they say, like, I'm going to hit, stomp, and kick you i need there to be a comma between stomp and and
1: (laughs) otherwise it's like come on
0: yeah we're gonna do stomp and kick me what is a stomp and kick
1: (laughs) (laughs) so she she's you know pretty shaken up after the whole thing because i mean you know here she thought she was going to be safe in this like boring little position she now had Uh, But no, fucking the guy came and found her and sent her a very threatening note. And so Nick takes her to his place. He has to do like some stuff or whatever. And he's like, I don't want to be far from you tonight. And I had this labeled as a Mimi, but... He leads her into his place. He He's like consoling her and, you know, he like pulls her close and he rocks her against him for a few seconds, which I was like, oh, it's kind of dreamy. It was exactly what she needed. Tears welled in her eyes and she buried her face in his shirt front. It was heaven to be wrapped in Dick's arms, even out in the open with his neighbors watching. It felt safe. She felt safe. For the first time since reading that note, she drew a deep breath. I'm sorry, she whispered. This is so nice, he murmured against her hair. But you shouldn't have to. Hush. He moved, slipping his arm around her waist to guide her up the walkway. What are cops for?
0: Yeah, I have that highlighted
1: too, is me. <laughs> and then I was like, not for this. And then right after it, it says, not for this, Shannon thought. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, also, I have a small dreamy here afterwards because Ooh. they go into Nick's house and there's like stained glass things like all over his house. And she realized that Nick made these all himself.
1: Yeah, I had that labeled as dreamy too. And it's like,
0: oh, he has hobbies. He's a character,
1: and it's like, not even just like a hobby, you know, but it's like stained glass. Like that's
0: that's right up there with the goldsmithing. As like, oh, that's so specific.
1: That was something I wanted to bring up. Where it's just like, yeah, just a very specific hobby like that. I'm like, that's so fun. Like something so niche like that, you know?
0: Yeah. I really
1: liked it. Yeah, and he's, like, really good at it. And he was, like, he made, like, a beautiful, like, dragonfly lampshade, which she mentioned was pretty much the only thing in his home besides his cat that, like, <laughs> gave it any kind of, like, personality. Which also, he has a cat. I love that he has a
0: cat. He has a little I foster cat. I love
1: that he has a cat. <laughs> he basically sent her to the second floor. He told her that's where the bathroom is. But she kind of gathers, like, oh, he sent me up here expecting me to find this as it was, like, his way of... Letting her get to know him better without having to like say anything, because we learned that communication is a little hard for him. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was cute. Yeah.
0: Also, a quick note that will come up again later. Shannon mentions that she she's afraid of the dark, and that was mentioned in the in the prologue as well. It comes up every once in a while that she is she is like very afraid of the dark. I like as somebody who's also afraid of the dark.
1: I mean, it's like it's valid.
0: I sleep with the. A nightlight shaped like a dog. We call him Lightuppy.
1: I love Lightuppy. <laughs> so he, he goes up to the second floor and, you know, he figures that she's in his studio. So he goes in and she's like, oh, this is beautiful. He's like, "Ah, yeah, it's a hobby. And he was working on a new piece that he was going to donate to the geriatric ward in the hospital. They describe it as a contemporary piece with the fiery colors of a sunburst at its center. And so she was saying, you know, it's beautiful and uplifting. And he's saying old people in the hospital need a boost every now and then. And he just says, I'm just a cop with a hobby. And she says, a cop with a gift. (laughs) When he would have retreated, she captured his fingers, holding fast that her face was cradled by his hand. He resisted the urge to bring her fully into his embrace. The smile he managed hiked up one corner of his mouth. Well, the thought may have crossed my mind that you could deliver it for me. You're the logical choice since your fiery hair was my inspiration for the piece.
0: Honestly kinda kinda cute.
1: I know, that got me. Shit like this is like I love this. I love I love this. You know, I love reading it and I love writing it. If anybody said that to me in real life, I'd fucking run away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Be like, you fucking creep. Ew. Like
0: (laughs) You basic stranger.
1: But reading about it like this gets me. Yeah. In real life, don't do that. Please no, I would run so fast. For real. We did have some steaminess here though.
0: Yeah. You want to say your seeming moments? Mine are all
1: from the sexy scene self. Everything about her seemed formed to fulfill his fantasies to perfection. Spreading his legs, he tilted her forward, pressing her softness against his arousal. A rising tide of desire rolled through him. God, it was heaven. It was Nick. Oh, Nick, please. And it's like, oh, goddamn. Yeah horny so they they don't go through with anything because he pulls away he's like oh i can't do this like it's not professional yeah but then later on they go to her apartment and it's like trashed oh yeah yeah Yeah. i I want to bring it up just because we didn't really like go too in depth into like like the bad guy's point of view here but it really is scary Mm -hmm. like i know we mentioned this before but like if you read through Like, even the bits in his point of view, like, they're very aggressive. They are. Yeah, like, we were joking about, you know, stupid bitch was seeing a psychiatrist because that's fucking hilarious. But, like, no, like, he's very aggressive. Mm. And he goes to her apartment and, like, destroys everything. Not just that, but he, like, throws, like, flour and sugar and shit, like, all over the place and gets it wet. There's, like, this, like, stench of, like, rotting food and stuff. Like, he goes out of his way to make it into a huge shithole. Yeah, Shannon's not getting
0: her deposit back.
1: God no. Well she doesn't need it anyway, it's fine. It's true. <laughs> she probably owns it. To be honest. Uh she's like distressed, and so he takes her home, and this is where we have our sex scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And more
0: importantly, we have a title drop.
1: Yes! I think I I think I would label that too.
0: She felt so right in his arms. She smelled good too. Like roses and rain.
1: They said the thing.
0: They bring up roses and rain individually several times in regards to her.
1: Yes. How she always smells like roses.
0: Yeah. Something about her shampoo, I guess.
1: Yeah. In my opinion, I don't really like the smell of roses. I'm more of like a fresh scent kind of gal. Yeah. Me some eucalyptus and mint.
0: I mean, the perfume that I use is Lord of Misrule by Rush. By Lush. Not by Rush uh non <laughs> Getty lee had no part in my perfume <laughs>
1: <laughs> my signature perfume is sunset riot by all saints
0: Ooh. if you ever wanted to know what your hosts smell like there you go
1: there you go oh yeah now you know smell-o-vision <laughs> okay so they're in her room you know getting her all settled or whatever
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're always very touchy mm-hmm. also like he's always like stroking her arm or her back or some shit Uh, And it escalates this time. And so this time she's like, don't stop Nick. Don't stop this time. And then they start making out. With her help, he got rid of his shirt hurriedly, then pushed the fabric of her denim skirt up high before finding her mouth for another deep erotic kiss. His hands were restless and questing, sweeping down her back, clamping around her thighs. Then the world tilted for a moment as he lifted her. With a gasp, she signaled her willingness by helping him settle her astride his lap. When he filled his hands with the softness of her buttocks, uh, Shannon whimpered, and they both groaned in mutual satisfaction as she rocked against the bulge in his jeans. Whew!
0: Yeah, very good. Also, they say buttocks a lot in these sex scenes. They do. Yes. (laughs) Buttocks. (laughs) Buttocks. For me, the sex scenes went so back and forth between, like, a little bit mamey and steamy. Mm Mm-hmm. I have- he shuddered as she explored his male nipples with her thumbs. Which, the phrase male nipples, it's like yeah. it did not enough to say his nipples.
1: No, you had to know male nipples.
0: <laughs> He's a man, but he has a woman's nipples. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had them surgically implanted. <laughs> Just nipple. But then, like, immediately after... We've got to slow down or it'll all be over. He breathed in her ear, the words sending shivers over her skin. It's like, that's hot. Being like, you've already got me so on edge.
1: So yeah, he like strips her or whatever. (laughs) She's like, I don't want to be the only naked person in this bed. (laughs) Which was funny.
0: (laughs) To her delight, he whispered to her his words sweet or bold or darkly sensual. Enthralled, Shannon sighed and moaned, her pleasure mingling with the deeper, rougher sounds coming from Nick. Very hot.
1: Right after that. Nick kissed his way down her body, grazing her throat, her breasts, her tummy <laughs> tummy made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. um, when he saw and found the soft, moist core of her, she cried out in a swift, almost anguished sound. Instinctively her hips arched to him, moved restively against the rhythmic pressure of his hand.
0: <laughs> yeah. I also find it funny that he goes he goes so low with his kisses, but then does not go down on her.
1: <laughs> Wait. Although- with, oh, not that's his fingers, right? Yeah. Moist core, yeah. The
0: rhythmic pleasure of his hand.
1: See, I assumed that he was doing, like...
0: A L- little bit bold.
1: Yeah. Because it said, kissed his way down her body, grazing her throat, her breasts, her tummy, when he sought and found the soft, moist core of her. So I assumed that was still with his lips, and then mm. they mentioned his hand. So I was assuming that he was, like, really going but at it. But there's,
0: like, no... There's no second moment there to me. It's, like, he finds the soft, moist core of her, and... Instinctively, her hips arched to him, moved against the rhythmic pressure of his hand.
1: Cause he was going, like he was like using his lips before, though. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I need this. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
0: can't take that away from you. Um, then, of course, we do have again. <laughs> I cannot count the times that we've read lines like this. Driven by a deep hunger to mate.
1: Gets me every time.
0: I was like, oh got the goddamn caveman shit again," <laughs> but then, literally, like two words later, driven by a deep hunger to mate with the one woman who would ruin him for others forever. It's like, ah, oh, that's hot. <laughs> and then he probed her warm, wet softness, and then he gave a deep, shattering groan as he buried himself to the hilt.
1: Whew. We're like raw dogging right now, which I was like, whoo yeah, every- in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my God!
1: Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but also I'd like to uh, formally announce that I no longer have a breeding kink, and that's because uh, <laughs> the fucking Supreme Court of the United States, uh, is taking away our abortion rights. So yep. breeding kink over, gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then this part got me with this was dreamy here. Uh, so there's like also a, a lightning storm while this is happening, which you know very poetic, but. Because of the storm, the lights go out, and she's afraid of the dark. Mm-hmm. Catching her face in the fingers of one hand, Nick forced her to look at him. There was only shadow and form, but he could see her, and he knew that Shannon saw him. Don't be afraid, sweetheart, he murmured, his eyes as turbulent as the world outside. I'll take care of you, Nick promised. Shannon smiled. I know.
0: Romantic.
1: Ah, oh, that got me.
0: I mean, I would still be like, can we turn on light-uppy, but,
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not poetic.
0: I also do like, the image in the glass was a lover's embrace, caught for all time, eloquent without words. Erotic. Just, just a lone word as its own sentence. Erotic. Just letting Erotic. you know. <laughs> in case you didn't know. They say roses and rain again. Her hands on his buttocks wrung a groan from him and he bent his head, inhaling roses and rain and the sheer essence of shin. Uh, and then that's it.
1: That's it. It was short. So what did you think of our first sex scene here? Uh, it
0: alright I mean the only sex scene Really Everything oh, well, else yeah. is, is fade just to black. fade to black yeah. But it's okay It has a lot of really good moments But I wish there was more I always just want pornography Nicole <laughs> <laughs> Like I don't know <laughs> No no you're dying <laughs> No, I don't know if your laughter is even being recorded by you. Or if you've muted your microphone. Please. No, it's on! <laughs> <laughs>
1: no! <Ugh>. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> what does that say about us? <laughs> Horny. <laughs>
0: It says that we're, we're millennials and we've had, we've had ready access to internet porn since we were, you know, like 14.
1: There is this uh, Instagram account that like, um, does like memes it's like we need an American girl doll who was like blank. Oh yeah. yeah. There was the one that's like, we need an American girl doll who read a neurotic fan fiction uh, like during her formative years and it changed her forever. So she <laughs> that's you. That. I was like, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> oh, reading all that, uh, what was I reading? Uh, Neshi 10 fanfic. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh,
0: Cheryl and, and Shen go back to the encounter group. And first of all, Cheryl spills her guts about her ex-husband. The more important thing is that in this scene we meet Francine and her daughter Kelly. Francine is, like, being stalked by her ex-husband there are gonna need to be so many trigger warnings for this episode. So many. I try to keep them pretty minimal, but Jesus, I gotta be like, we got Silent <laughs> we New York's office club has everything. <laughs> Kelly and Francine, her ex-husband is stalking her and showed up at her house and like tried to get in, but her daughter threatened to call the cops, and she's like really nervous and Shen's like, Isn't there anything we can do? And the therapist there named susan is basically like no i'm sorry uh shannon looked at susan would you just listen to this susan surely there's a very solution for endangered women than to have having to scurry around to a relative's house and bear the burden of an expensive stay somewhere out of town what kind of system do we have that women can't put their faith and trust in it it's like girl she's a therapist what do you want her to do
1: yeah exactly
0: I know that you're just venting, but, like, don't vent at her. Don't be like, this is your fault, Susan. Susan. <laughs> God damn you, Susan. <laughs> After the meeting, Will and Nick show up, and Will whisks Cheryl away off to New York for the weekend, and Nick is going to be Shan's personal bodyguard for the weekend, if you know what I mean. bow <laughs> He's going to use his service weapon... To protect her
1: insides. He's gonna guard her body with his penis.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that too.
1: Am I right, kids? (laughs) No, kids, don't listen to this podcast if you're a child.
0: Yeah, I I say right at the beginning, this is not for children. It contains discussions of adult themes. These are the themes. Boning. Yeah. Also, this instant talking to Francine and her daughter Kelly inspires shannon to write an article about how these women are being failed by the system for the newspaper and she does and it gets published is there much besides that um there's a lot of fucking but like fade to black fucking it's like every two pages they're like and then they fucked again
1: they fuck a lot in this book. Yeah. We only like see it like once, but
0: there is like a forty-page sequence that every once in a while is just broken up by eating pizza and fucking. Oh, also, we should talk about Nick's backstory now. Oh yeah, his his tragic backstory because we love the tragic backstory in Harlequin.
1: Gotta have a tragic backstory, otherwise, what's the point? I don't care about you as a character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Nick's tragic backstory is that he married a woman in his early twenties. Well, he was in law school.
1: Because he was going to law school, yeah.
0: He was going to law school and then he decided to become a cop. It's like, wow, what a downgrade. But probably pays better, unfortunately.
1: He does mention that the pay is shitty. Oh, (laughs) really? (laughs) Yeah. Because he was saying he can't give her the life that she, like, is used to or whatever.
0: So the girl he was with, he says, was a lot like Chen. She came from an upper class family and was basically marrying down to him. And she became really unsatisfied that... He couldn't give her the lifestyle that she wanted, and she apparently started cheating on him, and then they got divorced. And then, a few years later, he got involved with this woman from Alcohol Tobacco and Firearms where he worked. They didn't have the best chemistry, but they fucked a lot, and that was pretty good.
1: Um, Listen, I just want to say here, I had that exact same relationship with a Scorpio male. (laughs) And let me tell you, it's fucking real. I was reading this, and I'm like, God, this is so fucking relatable, and I hate it. (laughs) So
0: anyway, this woman, she was in, like, an undercover operation, and the press got word of it and, uh, like, showed up at the place where she was, and a shootout occurred, and she died. And Nick blames the press.
1: Yeah, so in his mind, like, TV reporters and, like, journalists are kind of of the same breed, so he- He-he-he doesn't care for any of them. Nicole, how would you
0: rank this against Victor Rohan's brother and girlfriend dying in the same car accident and then it turns out they were fucking and it turns out that his mother was orchestrating it the whole time?
1: Ugh, I don't know. This is pretty fucked. It is fucked.
0: I kind of think that Victor's is more fucked up though, just because there's such a personal betrayal to it on all ends.
1: I think Victor's is more fucked up, whereas this is just, like, sad. Yeah. Both very tragic in their own way, you know? Yeah,
0: Victor has billions of
1: dollars to fall back on. Oh my god, me just wiping my tears with, like, hundred dollar (laughs) bills. And throwing them in the trash. (laughs) (laughs) So after they were talking about his previous relationships, he, like, stresses that he's, like, not good at communication. And so, you know, she's like, all right, we don't have to talk anymore. This is not an endurance test. You'll get a lot better at it as we go on, she promised. I'd rather make love, he said, nuzzling her sweet-scented skin. Sounds good to me, she told him, fitting her leg between his and rubbing sensuously against his hard warmth. She says, but first, just one more question. He hesitated with a resigned sigh. What is it? Do you really think I'm beautiful? Chuckling softly, he replied, do you really think I'm sexy? Lifting her head to look at him, she asked, why do you always want the last word? Because I'm bigger than you. Her hands skimmed the muscled contours of his chest, past his waist, to the heat and hardness beyond. Hmm, you sure are, she murmured, cupping him gently. Wow, that was the last word.
0: <laughs> I did find that very funny. I that is that as Mimi, too. So this article that she wrote seemingly pissed off some people. Another girl turns up, not dead, but beaten nearly to death. And in a manner very similar to how Shannon was attacked. This girl's name is Tammy Rainbow, which, you know... That's a good name.
1: Tammy Rainbow.
0: Honestly, (laughs) Tammy Rainbow would be streamer name.
1: Yeah. After the story goes public, Shannon calls Francine, and it, like, rings, like, ten times, and there's no answer, so she's about to hang up. Uh, And then Kelly, so the daughter, answers. So, you know, it turns out Kelly is home alone. And so, you know, Shannon's calling to, like, check in on them because, yeah, this article, like, pissed people off. And she didn't mention their names in the article, but, like... People might just put two and two together. Shannon tells Kelly, like, you shouldn't be there alone. Keep the doors and windows locked until your mom gets back. And then she heard the sound of, like, gum popping. And then something, like, muffled in the background. So she didn't think that Kelly was alone. And then, you know, here's, like, another sound of, like, gum popping. And then, like, somebody laughing in the background hangs up. So she found that a little, little suspicious there.
0: Mm-hmm. Nick is, like, looking over her shoulder while she's on her laptop. And he's like, that file was not on your desktop at the newspaper and she's like yeah there's almost everything is there but there's some crossover that that doesn't get crossed over
1: we don't have a cloud at this point yeah we don't
0: have the cloud so they look through these notes on this woman's suicide and basically they put together that it seems that shannon thought it was really suspicious because this woman inherited a lot of money and then killed herself
1: yeah like where she had like pretty much everything going for her yeah. So it's like, why would she kill herself when it doesn't seem like super apparent that anything in her life would drive her to that?
0: Yeah. And so Nick is like, I'm going to go to Atlanta to question her ex-husband, this, this judge. And Shannon's like, I want to come too. And they have a whole argument about it that really doesn't go anywhere because they don't end up going to Atlanta. (laughs) And so what ends up happening is that Tammy Rainbow gets beaten within an inch of her life. And Nick runs out to check on that. With this girl, Shannon's biggest fear is that this girl is Kelly, Francine's daughter, under a different name. So she's, she's really nervous about that. She tries to call Francine's house, but nobody picks up. So she just ends up waiting around. She lets a cat out at one point, and that's an important detail. (laughs) Then the door rings, and it's Kelly there. Kelly has shown up because she wants to talk to Shannon after the article came out. Kelly has a big confession where, when her mother's ex boyfriend or ex husband or whatever came around to like harass them and Kelly was home, he wasn't actually looking for her mother, he was looking for her because. He's been abusing her, apparently Kelly knows some girls who have gotten abducted into this trafficking ring.
1: yeah, where it's like they were she was saying how Buck's friends would like take them on trips and stuff like that, which you know, yeah, yeah, code for you know abducting these girls.
0: She asked Kelly if she knew the the one girl who got murdered a couple weeks ago. She says no, but you know I got I got really like scared when I saw that article about her. I took so long to tell somebody because he was both threatening me and threatening my mom. So she's like, don't worry. Buck is going to jail now because he got caught. Kelly's like, awesome. I can't go to the police station with you right now. I have to do one more thing first. There's somebody who's waiting for me. Somebody I promised I would get back to you after I talked to you. I promised you would help. And now I need to go tell her everything's going to be okay. And uh, she says, who's your friend, Kelly? Oh, just somebody I met when she came into town a few weeks ago. Wow, like she's gonna be relieved big time that Buck's out of commission. What's her name, Kelly? Kelly rolled her eyes. I know it sounds dumb, but she calls herself by a made-up name. I think she's running from her folks, you know? Kelly, what is her name? Tammy Rainbow. Dun-dun. It's like, I don't have. <laughs> Kelly leaves because Chen immediately tells her, like, Tammy's in the hospital she was beaten within an inch of her life, we're not sure if she's gonna make it. And that leaves her alone in the house.
1: Oh, they had previously ordered a pizza, I, or they had ordered pizza, or someone ordered a pizza in the na- in the neighborhood.
0: Somebody had. She mentions that there is like a pizza truck.
1: Yeah, that was still there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She's back in the house and she hears a meow, and so it's Jake the cat, and it scared the shit out of her. But then she realized she had let him out before, so she was wondering like had he had he slipped inside, like when Kelly had left, or you know what was what was happening. So she says that the van bearing the familiar logo of the local pizza place was still there, referring to outside. And Jake, who should be outside, wasn't. And that's when she realizes she is not alone in the house. Dun dun.
0: And it's her assailant.
1: <gasps>
0: and her assailant is the judge that <gasps> the husband of that woman who apparently killed herself. And apparently, <laughs> here's my favorite meme line. First of all, he's like holding her at gunpoint here. Like, from a distance. Um, did you hold up a finger to wait?
1: Oh, no, a gun.
0: Oh, (laughs) sorry. She says, you've been watching me in the pizza van, haven't you? He gave an exaggerated sigh. I've had to move the thing a half dozen times. The air conditioner isn't working well either. You've been a lot of trouble to me, Miss O'Connor. I love how he just takes (laughs) the opportunity to bitch about how, how much stalking her has sucked.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> that part did get a laugh out of me too. Which just, like, I always think it's funny. Like um, when we get to like the climax of these stories, and we have our big like you know exposition mm-hmm. scene or whatever, and I love when they just give like unnecessary details. That yeah. being one of them, just it got me. It made me laugh.
0: <laughs> yeah. So apparently, what happened with his wife is that he forced her to kill herself. He basically held her at gunpoint and was like, "Take all of these pills." And frankly, I would just say to shoot me.
1: Yeah, it's like, because what are you going to do?
0: Exactly. It's like, I'm going to die either way.
1: Might as well get your ass convicted. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to make
0: this easy for you.
1: Yeah, no, fuck you.
0: So basically his motivation is that he wants this federal judgeship appointment. He's had to murder a few people who are some loose ends in his wife's apparent suicide. One of whom is Shannon. It seems like a
1: lot. <laughs> it really does. It, it just, it was pretty convoluted. I, okay. So did you at any point guess that it would be the judge?
0: Y- well, I mean, at the end, when they started bringing up the woman's suicide again. Yeah. But when they dropped that early in the book, I didn't even really think about it.
1: Me neither. So, you know, going through this, I was trying, cause like, yeah, I, towards the end, that's when I got it. But before then, I was almost wondering if it was going to be like Ed or something because they mentioned that Ed was overweight and Shannon said something about it like maybe being somebody on the force and I was like oh shit like what if it's Ed because you know he's overweight like the other guy and you know he's on the force or whatever and then there were a couple times where it's like oh he wasn't supposed to be in Savannah at this time and it's like well Ed you know maybe he was like looking into something in a different town or something you know
0: yeah well Ed wouldn't Ed wouldn't make sense though because he was the one who was like oh I think that's Shannon's place that they're calling from and like why would why would ed like tip off
1: to get them off his scent
0: (laughs) okay okay (laughs) it just seems like kind of a drive to to be like to beat her mostly to death be caught almost drive back to the police station (laughs) (laughs)
1: listen (laughs) but it's like at that point i was like just trying to like figure out I'm like who here could have done it I'm like he's like the only person that could probably yeah. imagine doing it at this point but yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't until the end uh, the, yeah because afterward I was like oh it's definitely not Ed so I had no idea who it could be no well, then we learned it's the judge
0: yeah who knew so yeah Shen manages to momentarily distract him because she sees the cat behind him and the cat only responds to people like for food basically <laughs> and she's like <laughs> Very quickly, she's like, Hello, Jake, she said impulsively. How about some seafood fest? (laughs) On cue, the cat jumped down and darted between the startled judge's legs towards Shannon. She lunged for the kitchen door as Henderson leapt at her. The judge. Her scream echoing high and wild in the night. And then Nick shows up. Because he realized it was a very stupid idea to leave Shannon on her own. (laughs) And just kind of assuming that Buck was definitely the person who tried to kill her. He shows up. And honestly, one of the two most romantic moments happens for me here. Yes. He, uh, gets into the house and it's dark. He clamped his jaw and squinted fiercely, trying to pierce the dead, dark denseness around him. She was afraid of the dark. Hold on, baby. I'll get you out of this and you'll never have to fear the dark again. And it's like, that's cute.
1: Yeah, that got me too.
0: Then all of a sudden, the judge steps forward and points a gun at him and... They, they both fire a bunch of shots at each other and Nick gets hit
1: <gasps>
0: and dies. at <That> the end. <laughs> the end. Anyway, so Nicole, what do you think of this book? <laughs> <laughs> what happens is that he actually does die. He has his own, like, out of body experience, which I thought was a very nice, like, bookend.
1: Me too, yeah. And
0: she calls him back. The one thing that allegedly helped him out was that Shannon gifted him this notebook with a leather cover, and apparently the bullet hit that and it prevented it from doing more damage. And it's like, no, it didn't. That's just, that's not true. <laughs> I'm no. sorry. <laughs> but anyway, the the judge died. I guess Nick shot him and he died.
1: Rip in peace.
0: Yeah. Nick is going to be okay. And we end on a diary entry. Um, There have been these kind of, like, interspersed throughout the book, and uh, it's, like, a month later, and she and Nick have gotten married. Uh, Nicole, do you believe this? No. Yeah. I (laughs) thought it was a little soon, too. If it was, like, a year later, then that would be fine, Um, instead of being, like, four days after O.J. Simpson murdered his wife.
1: (laughs) There's the O.J. reference that I was (laughs) hoping for. (laughs) Dear diary. (laughs) So these always like ruin, not ruin it for me, but they like, they do more harm than good. Yeah. The whole like rushing into marriage, like we don't need that for a happy ending. Yeah. Like it's very clear that they love each other. It's very clear that they're going to be together forever. But rushing into marriage just feels like so fake to me. Like it just, it. Yeah. I even yeah, believe. it just kind of paints the whole thing.
0: The like telling each other they love each other because this book takes place over like two or three months.
1: Yeah. And it's like, and, that's you know, a it was-
0: very realistic amount of time.
1: Especially with the stakes being as high as they are, and them spending yeah. as much time as they are together. Exactly. Yeah, they didn't need to get married at the end.
0: If you took out this single paragraph from here that says that they got married, it would be absolutely perfect. Yes. But even as is, I really love this epilogue.
1: Me too!
0: And of course we were meant to be together. It was reaffirmed to me tonight. I was deeply asleep when something woke me up. Beside me, Nick stirred as though he too heard or felt something. He turned and put his arms around me, pulling me close until we lay spoon-fashion, and then he settled again, leaving me looking at the mirror. There was no storm, no lightning, no thunder. The glass in the mirror was shimmery and very bright, not like the murkiness of other dream sights. Odd, I thought, because there was no nightlight anywhere, no full moon. Images began shifting and turning. I was aware of color, a rainbow of color, from the strange iridescence two figures materialized, Nick and me. I had the impression that I was watching time-lapse photography or something like it. There were houses and places and people, children and old folks, and always the two of us, Nick and me. It was the dream sight of our life to be, Nick's and mine. It was good. It was enduring. It was beautiful. And that's the end. And that's end. what a powerful bit to end on.
1: I know. And that's why, like, I was so upset with the first paragraph. It was like, oh, Nick and I got married and it was this whole lavish affair or whatever. Yeah. Did not need that part. Because besides that, beautiful epilogue. I-, I honestly don't know which one I like more. This one or Innocence Nine Month Scandal. Right? Is that the one for I like For epilogues. Liked?
0: Yeah. We like yeah. the epilogue for that because we don't like Victor and the rest of the book.
1: That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is such a good epilogue. It's so... It's beautiful. It's short, sweet, and to the point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's like... And it calls back to, like, the supernatural power that's been tying everything together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like, instead of showing, like, the past or showing something, like, distressing, it shows something hopeful, something beautiful.
1: Yeah. And it's like, what
0: a good ending. It
1: was so good. I was... Ah, uh, I, I like here, like now that we've gotten through this book, I want to hear your overall thoughts again, because it really does seem like you enjoyed it more than you thought you did.
0: Yeah, I did enjoy more than I thought I did. I think this book could have been shorter. Mhm. Some of it was my sister's opinion influencing my own um, <laughs> as we read together. But I don't like Nick in some of these parts. Yeah, and I don't think that you have to like the characters the entire time. Mm -hmm. I think that's perfectly fine if Nick is a bit of a bastard sometimes.
1: Yeah, there are some times where he's like pretty like aggressive towards Shannon. But it's it's like it's, you know, him trying to also like protect her.
0: Yeah. And
1: it stops. It does. Yeah.
0: That's the important thing where like the shit with Victor just kept going. Yeah. It like stops and then it comes back. And it's Mm -hmm. worse that time. And it's like, what the fuck? But anyway, enough about Victor. Let's talk about Nick.
1: Nick whole ass.
0: (laughs) Nick's whole ass. Nick's whole ass. Nicole, let's do our rankings and talk about it then. Okay. But first of all, I wanna read a little ad that I see back here. (laughs) Okay. Men. (laughs) Made in America. 50 red-blooded, white, hot, true blue hunks from every state in the union. Look for Men Made in America, written by some of our most popular authors. These stories feature 50 of the strongest, sexiest men, each from a different state in the union. Two titles available every month at your favorite retail outlet. In July, look for Rocky Road by Ann Stewart, Maine. The Love Thing by Dixie Browning, Maryland. In August, look for Pros and Cons by Bethany Campbell, Massachusetts. To Tame a Wolf by Anne McAllister, Michigan. You won't be able to resist men made in America. If you missed your state or would like to order any other states that have already been published, send your name, address, and zip, or postal code, along with a check or money order. Please do not send cash for $3.59 for July or $3.99 for August for each book, plus $0.75 postage and handling $1 in Canada, payable to Harlequin Reader Service. <laughs> Please specify book titles with your order. <laughs> What what is? I'm a little interested.
1: I kind of want to read Massachusetts.
0: <laughs> we gotta read Massachusetts and Connecticut. We gotta. Now that's an interesting Patreon episode. We each read our own state and Ooh. do a little book report on it.
1: That'd be fun.
0: We have a Patreon, by the way. Follow us uh, Patreon.com/slash/the3lwpodcast. We have rewards for patrons there. Anyway, let's get, get into the rankings. Nicole, how would you rank this book on steaminess?
1: I, okay, there was only one sex scene, Mm -hmm. a lot of fade to black, but there were some pretty steamy parts in here. A lot of steamy smooching, a lot of him being horny. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm going to go middle of the road here and give it like a 2.4.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be a little harsher. I'm just going to say two, flat out. Okay. It did have some good stuff in it. Like I said, I just want (laughs) more.
1: Honestly, yeah.
0: AO3 has ruined
1: me. Oh god, I know. I if <laughs> I I write explicit pornography and like now everything needs to be like that otherwise it's like what's the point? Yeah. I need to picture it. I need to see it in my mind's eye. For real. Anyway. Anyway. So, what do you give it for dreaminess?
0: Oh, this is so tough to be honest because now I'm like coming around to it. I came into here being like, I don't know, I'm going to give it like a 1 or a 2. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a three.
1: <gasps> oh my god.
0: I enjoy the like bringing each other back to life. Yeah. That being like a, a staple of their relationship or like a cornerstone of it.
1: It's very like soulmate, you know? Yeah. And that's what got me for that. That's what got me about this whole thing.
0: Yeah, I really do like that. I enjoy a lot of their dynamic to a degree once Nick stops being a fucking asshole. Mm hmm. I really like the protectiveness, but not in a, like, mine kind of way. Yeah.
1: There is one point where he is, like, does say, like, she's mine. But even then, it's just, like, internal monologue. And it's only, like, once where he acts kind of, like, possessive.
0: Yeah. And it's not, like, it doesn't really, like, change him, you know? Yeah. And I appreciate that they get to know each other, really, really. I feel like we haven't gotten, in the three episodes we've done so far, because this is our third, we have, we have not recorded any other episodes, of course. We don't record these three months in advance. No, we do not. We haven't really gotten much in the way of, like, romantic heroes' hobbies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I really enjoyed knowing that Nick works with stained glass. He has a whole studio. Yeah,
1: like, I was afraid that his whole personality was just going to be cop. But he's yeah. like, he's more than that. And I really liked that.
0: He's gentle soul. He's cat lover. He's protective
1: boyfriend. He really got points for the cat. I'm not gonna lie, like a ton of yeah. points for that.
0: you think that he would have a dog, but no, he has an he alley has cat. cat. So I appreciate that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I like this more than I thought.
1: I'm gonna go just a little bit higher than you and give it like a 3.2. Nice. I, I'd go higher, but he's a cop and also a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So for meme I don't think it was like super meme There were parts that got me though. Mm-hmm. And I, like, again, a lot of my meme stuff was just like re- references to technology that is like no longer used. Yeah. So I'll give it like a two.
0: Yeah. I think I'm also going to give it a flat two. Mm-hmm. Some of the meme is just like in hindsight, I'm sure that if in 30 years we go back and read virgin to redeem the billionaire we're gonna find little things of like oh he scrolled his smartphone or something and be like huh, remember when we didn't have data chips implanted <laughs> in our assholes? like you know yeah. technology marches on
1: exactly so you know there's like the references to like the typewriter like oh no no i have a computer like really tickled me and then there were um a couple of other things that weren't supposed to be funny but made me laugh, like the bitches seeing a psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think two is a pretty fair rating.
0: Yeah. So Nicole, smash or pass? Nick Dalton.
1: Ugh, I hate that I'm saying this, but I would smash.
0: Hmm. I I'm gonna have to pass. He's he's just not my type. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't like him in this book. I don't know. I want to say that I don't like to be coddled by... I very much do like to be coddled. <laughs> I don't like to be coddled by men. That's the there whole thing. <laughs> if it was Shannon O'Connor being like, don't worry, Nick, I'm going to protect you. You don't have to be afraid of the dark anymore. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but as is, I, I'm going to give a soft pass on Nick. Mm-hmm. I think that he is a... a good protagonist for this. He is not a good lover for me.
1: Ah, no. Uh, he just he Fucking Scorpios have these pa- this power over me. I can't explain <laughs> it. Cancers and Scorpios I'm a cancer for those of you who don't know are very compatible sexually and then other than that it, not much I think from I've learned from my little, little research or whatever which makes perfect sense for every situation I've ever been in with a Scorpio. <laughs> so I would smash absolutely. Anything beyond that? No. <laughs> I'd maybe buy some yeah. of his work. I like stained glass.
0: Yes. Support on Etsy, 100%. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> smash and support on Etsy, uh, but pass on a relationship. Yeah.
0: Nicole, Sharon O'Connor, smash or pass?
1: Sharon O'Connor? I'm going to say smash.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. So, I don't like how, for the first half of this book, I know I'm complaining about there being a plot in this book, essentially, and character <laughs> growth and development, but I don't like that she starts off as such a clearly strong character in the prologue, and then she gets into a horrible trauma and just has to be taken care of for, like, at least half the book. Mm-hmm. I get it. I really, really get it. I just, it's not my thing. Yeah. I, I like her comfort. When it comes from an already low place, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. and building someone up rather than somebody being high, going low and then being built back up.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Like my smash for her isn't as like like, it's not as hard of a smash as it was for Nick Mm -hmm. for like very similar reasons where, yeah, like in the prologue, we see that she's this very strong character. And like, I love that about her. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, and I, I can't fault her for this. Like, it, you know, her, her, I can't fault her for her trauma response. Yeah. But it does seem like she doesn't really have much of a personality for a lot yeah. of it. And it's only when she starts getting better that we, like, are able to really see more of that, you know, like, badass journalist that she was in the prologue. And at that point, it's like, okay, now I, like, enjoy her and would smash.
0: Yeah. So I think that's our our show. Do you recommend this book, Nicole?
1: Honestly, yeah. I think it's a fun read if you are into a very lifetime original movie-ish kind of book. You know, if you're looking for the next great American novel, like this isn't it. But I, I found it to be an enjoyable read.
0: Yeah, I'd recommend it with the caveat that it's a little dated. Yes. It's pretty grim. Yes at a lot of points, like surprisingly grim. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of repetitiveness
1: mm-hmm.
0: in some of the earlier parts, but I still would recommend this book. If you listened to this and you thought that sounds interesting, read the book because we skipped over a lot.
1: We did, yeah. Yeah, if, you've, if you did enjoy this episode, I would recommend reading the book. Like just, you know, we haven't released all of our recorded episodes yet where there are books that I would strongly recommend Mm-hmm. So that this is more, this isn't, you, you know, if, if we're looking at it as a spectrum, I wouldn't put it like, you know, all the way on that side, but it's definitely closer mm-hmm. to that than it is on the do not recommend yeah, <laughs> side of the spectrum.
0: Definitely. And you know, I I do not like Nick more than K. Michaels, <laughs> but he's still he's still a good
1: protagonist. I still like. It. I feel like, all right, if we're looking at this in real life, I feel like. I would have a better relationship with Nick than I would Kane Michaels, if I'm being realistic. And I love Kane Michaels. I think I'd
0: have a better relationship with
1: Kane. I think we'd bond over the stained glass thing. I'd be like, teach me. I love having a million hobbies that I will like, become an expert on in like four days and then never touch ever again. <laughs> Same to <TVH>. me. <laughs> <laughs> Claudia, what's our next book?
0: Uh, our next book is going to be If I Break by Portia Moore. I have a feeling that it's going to be an interesting episode.
1: We wouldn't know. We haven't recorded it yet.
0: Definitely. (laughs) So, yeah, I definitely stick around for that one. Nicole, where
1: can people find you online? People can find me online on Facebook. My government name is... (laughs) Uh, You can find me at Sexy Pagliacci, that's S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I on Twitter.
0: And you can find me at Punk Dyke, P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. Can't believe no one had that. (laughs) And you can find us on Patreon, as we mentioned, patreon.com slash the3LWpodcast. We have live exclusives for people who join, help out the show. It really means a lot to us. We buy a lot of books for this podcast. But it's all worthwhile, and it's been so fun to to read every week, every couple of weeks.
1: It's been great. And listeners, thank you for joining us for my birthday special. I know this was a very birthday-appropriate book, so, you know, thanks for going (laughs) along this ride with us. Happy birthday, Nicole. Thank you. Everyone have a slice of cake in my honor. Or if you're not into that, just do something that makes you feel good. That's it for this week's episode. Catch us next time while we talk about If I Break by Portia Moore. And we will see you when we see you. Follow us on Twitter.
0: Yeah, we're... Oh, God. Twitter.com slash The3LWPodcast. (laughs) All right, bye. Bye.